And uh, I have titled this series, so Jeremy, write it down so you don't forget. Um, what did you say? And I have subtitled it, The Power of Confession. <laughs> what did you say? Jeremy, I said it is what do you say? What did you say? <laughs> but I say to you, what do you say? All right. So the title is, What Did You Say? Father, thank you that you made us a speaking spirit. Thank you that you spoke and the earth came to existence, that you spoke and you created, that your words are creative and we can and should function just like you. Father, we look to you right now to receive. Yeah, to have understanding in our mind, but most of all, spirit to spirit. Father, that you take the veil off as we've never seen confession before. We say the same thing as you. We declare the same thing as you with the same attitude as you have. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. For the power of speaking. Life and death. Blessing and cursing. Thank you that your will is life and blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to uh, just launch with the same uh, verse that we were on the last couple weeks, which is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed... And therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. So there should be, if, if you are believing, something else happens besides I'm just believing. There is actually an action that comes forth. And the first action, the primary action, is the action of speaking. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. So why are you saying what you're saying? Because you believe what you're saying. That's why you're saying what you're saying, because you believe it. Now, some people can find out about the power of confession, the power of your words, and so then they will mentally make a framework and say, okay, this is what I'm going to say because I know I'm supposed to say this. Well, that's, that can be good, and it can be bad. The reason it can be good is you can uh, basically send yourself to school on faith by speaking what you know you should speak. But it can be kind of bad if you just leave it there because that kind of believing doesn't actually make possession. I mean, excuse me, that kind of speaking doesn't actually make possession. You're just saying what you're supposed to say because you're supposed to say it. In fact, if you try to face the enemy with that, remember Jesus sent out the disciples and they, you know, uh, actually these other ones went and they, they went to cast out the devil uh, by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Well, what happened to them? Boy, they stripped their clothes off naked and they had to come home naked and said, what happened? Because those spirits actually spoke and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? So you have to have, uh, the kingdom of God is so personal. But we're in a family. But to get in that family, something personal has to happen in every person's heart. My children are not born again because I am their father. They are born again because they themselves 
were convicted by the Holy Spirit and responded to what he showed them. And then they, they believed that Jesus died on the cross and they confessed with their mouth and they received individually. There's no like a group coming together as far as like, uh, I'll just believe for your whole family, you don't have to worry about it. Now, if you have a family that are not born again and you are born again, there is advantage the Bible talks about. Okay, but I'm not into that on this sermon today. But every individual must come to Christ. The Bible says like whole households being saved, those type of things, you can study it out. So we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord for utterance. Hmm. What am I doing right now? I'm slowing down because the, the Spirit of the Lord told me to slow down. That means I'm just going to wait for just a second. So I want to go where he wants us to go, not where I have prepared to go. There, there is a realm. That most people don't ever get into. A lot of Christians touch the edge. But they don't live there. And the greatest things that will ever happen in your life will happen when you get into this realm. And it is the realm of believing and speaking. And whether you recognize it or not, what you, what you are experiencing in this season of your life in huge amounts is due to what you have believed and spoken in the past. the thoughts that are in your mind, the emotions that you have, even your physical body. If your thoughts and your emotions haven't been brought under the power of the word or transformed by the word, well, they'll, they'll just pull you, pull on you to stay out of this. Don't get into this. They'll, they'll try to keep you out of this. Why? Because this is, this is the realm of, of uh, spiritual things. It's eternal things. It's not limited to time and the sense realm. It actually supersedes that. So this is believing and speaking. And I'm going to go real quick here for just a second so that I can get to the other part. And I'm going to just say, um, in the Bible, it uses a word in the original language that it was written in called, it's, it's homologio, or homologeo, depending how you like to pronounce the Greek words. Uh, but literally, it means to say the same thing. Say the same thing. And this is the word for confession in the New Testament. So when we're talking about confession, but first of all, if you just say, um, if you got on the metro and you said, I want everybody to confess right now, what are most people going to start to confess or reject confessing because of well something bad that they did 
right? If you say, let's confess, <laughs> let's go around everybody uh, confess, <laughs> right? I sat in the handicapped seat when I wasn't supposed to. Well, that's where the natural mind goes to when you think of confession. Okay, let's have a confessional and come up and, you know, make your confession. Get that guilt off of you. Well, actually the Bible talks to the people that are not born again and says to repent. And it says to the people that are born again to confess your sins. First John 1 John 1.9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So what does that mean if it means to say the same thing? Well, if I confess my sins, that means that what I'm saying is, yes, I did that. I am not perfect. He is. It says if you do that as a believer, not a non-believer, but as a believer, that you'll be cleansed from all unrighteousness. But as a, as a non-believer, you're not like, you, you don't have to like uh, confess every sin that you've ever done, all these type of things. And I mean, you know, you wouldn't even know everything that you've done. You just, listen, I, I just don't even have the life of God on the inside of me if I'm not born again. And so my whole life is a sin. <laughs> not that they don't do anything that's not a sin, but you understand like you have a bad nature when you're not born again. Your, your nature is not, does not originate from God or with God. It is a sinful nature. You're, you're, every person is born into sin, the Bible says. And so you must be born again. You must be born from above. So a lot of people, some people in my extended family would tell me, well, we've always been born again. I said, that's not possible. You can't have always been born again. You must receive Jesus. As many as received him, those are the ones he gave the right to be the children of God, the sons of God, the daughters of God, to be in, in the family of God. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was a ruler of the law, he said, um, you know, how can I get to heaven, basically? And Jesus said, um, enter the kingdom, actually, he said. Um, and Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, being a normal human being, in other words, a natural person, only thought naturally. He wasn't exposed to supernatural things, even though he studied. He said, are you saying I have to go back into my mother's womb again and be born twice, like through my mother's womb? So he's looking, all he knew was natural means. How many times do we do that? We just gravitate towards the Lord says something and we're like, okay. I'll make it happen. And he said, I just really want you to believe. <laughs> and then just say what you believe <laughs> and that lets me work. Uh, so Jesus said, no, you must be born from above, or you must be born again. So you have to be reborn in order to be a part of the family of God. You need a new spirit, and uh, God recreates you in Christ Jesus. So uh, the first meaning of confession is to say the same thing. Second meaning is to assure, to promise, to admit, or to concede. To admit or to concede. Well, you think of that as, a, as a, talking about sin, and you're like, okay, admit, admit that you did it. Admit that you gave all of the kids candy in the church, and that's why they're running around. 
See, she just confessed. She just confessed. The adults, too, okay. Some of the adults need to run around more. Okay. I never cease to be amazed at, you know, churches where you have some freedom to jump and run and dance, and then during the service, then after the service, the kids keep trying to do it, and the parents are like, now, no running in church. And they said, well, we were running before. <laughs> so admit it. So, so let's take it. There's a lot more in the Bible about confessing who you are in Christ and what God has done for you than it is about confessing your sins. So if you're a believer and you need to confess your sins, okay, confess and get it over with. Because why? Well, number one, some people think, well, I don't have to confess. I guess that's because they're too good to confess. Or they feel like God already did everything so they don't need to confess. But the problem is, 1 John was written to believers that said, my little children. And so you need to confess your sins if you're a believer and you have sinned. Uh, you're not a sinner when you're born again. You're a believer. But that doesn't mean that you're perfect and that doesn't mean that you don't sin. You may sin. And if you sin, we have an advocate. And not just any advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous, right. There's nothing wrong in him. And so if we sin, we have an advocate. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So in other words, he's faithful, so he'll never not. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. But uh, you need to admit and you need to confess what God has done for you in Christ if you're going to experience it in this life. You ever? So, so, so I have sinned. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I have sinned, and I have gone to 1 John 1, 9, and I felt guilty for sinning. And I go to 1 John 1, 9, and the thought in my head is like, how is this going to help? But I've been down this road before. And I know that the word is true whether I feel like it's true or not. So I confess my sin. And then I know that I know in my heart, God has forgiven me and cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Now, the only problem I have with the sin is the devil reminding me and my own self forgiving me. So I still have myself to deal with, but I have taken care of the most important thing, which is God. So I have the words, what do I do? Well, then I'm like, well, if God forgives me, why couldn't I forgive myself? In fact, Ephesians said that we can forgive and should forgive even as God forgives. It's talking about other people, but certainly would apply to yourself. And so, uh, you know, you confess your sins. You come into agreement with your sins. You admit what you did, right? You admit it. Well, you do that in a, in a court. If you go to testify in court, you know, they want you to, you know, you're going to confess your, your guilt or you're going to confess and say, I saw the neighbor. When I was just in court, they, they had the neighbor come and testify, so you better watch your neighbors. <laughs> Didn't you see? Did you see them when they moved in? Did you see them when they, I mean, it was like, I was like, whoa, they're asking a lot of probing questions. <laughs> I didn't see that. 
She said, I just heard the gunshots. When I looked outside, this is what I saw. It was a real interesting case. And so <laughs> you admit. So you, t- you take uh, 1 Peter 2.24, that by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. Admit that. Agree with that to the point that you say it. Confession, your confession, a biblical confession is built out of and based upon what God says. And so some people get a little uh, weird about confession. Uh, Normally it's uh, believers that get a little weird about it. But if uh, you look in Romans chapter 10, you find out that this whole Christian life begins with a confession based on a belief. I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, you believe to righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So the greatest confession you can make is the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. And that confession actually recreates you on the inside. Actually makes you a new creature on the inside. And so you continue in your walk of faith with the Lord by doing the same thing. You confess and you declare the same thing. All right, so that's the kind of the foundation I want to have. And now uh, let's get uh, into today's, and then it won't be very long, I don't think. And then we'll uh, really get deep into the series, deeper into the series next week. So I want to go to, hmm, I think we'll do that next week. So we'll go to Revelation chapter 10, verse 11. Revelation chapter 10, verse 11. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. You must prophesy again. You're looking like, where is he going with this? (laughs) All right. You must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Weymouth says, and a voice said to me, you must prophesy yet further concerning peoples, nations, languages, and many kings. You must prophesy again, and you must prophesy further. Did you know every member of the body of Christ, the will of God, is that you prophesy? That you and I prophesy? Well, you can't prophesy if you're not filled with the Spirit. You get filled with the Spirit. Spirit of prophecy come on you. And this is not... Uh, office of a prophet this is the spirit of prophecy that every believer should have and every believer should function in speaking to yourselves and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord and uh sometimes people get filled with the spirit not only do they speak in tongues but they begin to prophesy what is that It's words that edify, words that exhort, words that bring comfort that come from the spirit of god same way as tongues you speak in other tongues? Uh, I don't sit there and think like, what sounds can I make? And if I were to write this out, what would it sound like? I don't even think about it at all. I don't know 
How do I say this? I want to say I don't know how to speak in tongues. Do you know what I say when I mean that? I know how to yield to the Spirit. He gives me words to speak, but I don't know how to come up with tongues. That's the way I say it. I don't know how to come up with tongues. So I, I was filled with the Spirit in 1997, December 30th, 1997, at about 11, uh, just after 11 p.m. And when I was filled with the Spirit, uh, you know, I was pretty nervous. <laughs> and, uh, but I was hungry. And uh, man, the Lord responds to hunger. Man, the Lord will move to the hungry and to the thirsty. I got hungry and I got thirsty. And uh, man, the Lord knows how to satisfy a hunger like nothing else. This is better than strawberry shortcake in June. <laughs> and if you know me, you know that's a strong statement. <laughs> the Lord knows how to satisfy hunger. Then there, them that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled, the Bible says. Man should not live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by every word, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, not what you heard him say before, not how he touched your life before. What is he saying right now to you? What is he saying right now to you? There's nobody sitting next to you. He doesn't even know I'm talking to him. <laughs> What is he saying right now? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You should not live by natural things alone, but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so, Revelation 11 says you must prophesy again. Or you must prophesy further. Have you ever prophesied? Well, if you haven't prophesied, it's time to prophesy. It's a blessing that the Lord has for you. You can speak in Psalms. It's like a spiritual poem. Poetic. Somebody here recently, I was, sometimes the Lord used me that way. And uh, Oh, there you are. And uh, come up to me and said like, um, were you reading that from the Psalms? What you said? And I said, no, that was not from the Psalms. That was a Psalm, but that's not from the Psalms. That was from the Spirit of the Lord. Prophecy, very simply, is inspired utterance. What is that? Well, it's inspired uh, words, but utterance is more than just words. But primarily, it's inspired words from heaven. So you don't think of it ahead of time. You don't sit down and write it out and figure like what's, well, I shouldn't say that. You don't figure out what's going to say. Really, I started to prophesy, first of all, by writing. Isn't that interesting? But it's inspired utterance. But how the Lord uh, dealt with me is I would start to write. Uh, just the Lord put something in my heart. So instead of saying it, I, I wrote it. And as soon as I wrote that, you know what happened? It was just like a few words. Then all of a sudden, I got a few more words. So I wrote those. When I wrote those, I got a few more words. Like they were just there. Not in my mind, but in my spirit. So then when it came time to prophesy and I began to speak, well, I, that was scary. That's okay. I mean, speaking in tongues was a little scary. You know, for my flesh. Because I was flesh ruled. I don't mean like I was a terrible person. I was human. I had not been exposed to these spiritual things and these spiritual workings. And so, but I knew the Spirit of God because that's how I was born again. 
And so in the church I was in, you know, it was a, a particular denomination where uh, the main emphasis is salvation. So you have a salvation message every single week. And so, um, but I, for whatever reason, always enjoyed to pray. And so I would pray for the services before the service. And I was on the prayer team after the service and also during the service. And so I prayed a lot. And um, uh, so I would know before I was even filled with the Spirit, I would know even to the point sometimes like how many people were going to respond when the pastor said, if you'd like, invite you to come to know the Lord. I remember one time I, I just knew as soon as he said that, I, said, I knew in my spirit, there's six people that are here that are going to respond. And sure enough, six people responded. And so when they came uh, and said, would you like to be filled with the Spirit? I said, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. Well, as soon as I heard that come out of my mouth, I, I, it was like the split second. I said, I don't know. I feel like I'm in church and I need to go to the altar. Oh, okay, yes. I'd like to receive. Why did, why did I do that? Because it's the same Spirit. He's not a different spirit. The same spirit that recreated me is the same spirit that was calling me to be filled. So then even though my mind didn't know a lot about being filled with the spirit, I had read a few scriptures and I knew I was hungry. That was enough because I had the same witness on the inside. And so then I was filled with the spirit and uh, began to speak in other tongues. So, uh, you know, so then I... I shouldn't say I began to speak. I began to whisper in other tongues. <laughs> different people's personalities are different, and so mine was a little more reserved, so I just began to whisper in other tongues. And then uh, I probably spoke in tongues for about, uh, I don't know, five minutes or something. Then and The next day I was going on a ski trip with a singles group, and uh, so I was driving in my friend's pickup truck uh, alone, and so I just spoke in tongues for an hour and a half, just edified myself for an hour and a half. And... Um, so you have to have faith to speak in other tongues. Well, then you have to have faith to prophesy. We're talking about your confession or your speaking and how your confession or your speaking actually will change your world or it'll set you free or it'll put you in bondage. What have you been saying? And why have you been saying it? The power of your confession. And so... Uh, then I would kind of like uh, be seeking the Lord or worshiping or praying, reading the word. All of a sudden, I'd get a little phrase on the inside or a little word on the inside. And it was like tongues, how, how tongues would come, but I actually understood what it was. Like it was words, English words. I speak English, mostly. <laughs> Probably imperfectly, obviously, but I'm still learning. And so, um, I speak a little German too, but mostly just English um, and whatever languages I speak in tongues. And so, just a word or a phrase would come. Well, I remember the first time that happened, I was by myself, but I was still scared and embarrassed because I, I knew it takes faith to step out. So I thought, well, I have to, are you saying I just have to say this out loud and then more is going to come? Yeah, that's what he's saying. <laughs> so then I thought, but what if I say it out loud and more doesn't come? I will confirm that I am the most unspiritual part of the body of Christ. 
Right? So you have, we have these struggles. So we shouldn't pretend like we don't. You know? So you know, when, you're, when you're starting out in something new in the things of God. And so, but it's by faith. So you just, what you do is you just find the scriptures and say, well, if this is what you're saying, that we should speak in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, well, then that means it's available. And that means I should be doing it. So I'm just going to step out and do it. Now, I encourage you, don't step out in a, in a group like this or, or larger. Just by yourself at home. I mean, I had enough intimidation by myself. <laughs> oh, wow, because I could, like, analyze things out to the nth degree. I wish somebody could relate to that, but anyhow. I'll keep my eyes shut. But, man, this is a great freedom that actually you don't have to know what's going to come out before it comes out. And isn't that scary? Well, it's super scary if you connect to your flesh. <laughs> but you would have words of wrath and anger and all other kind of things come out. But you yield to your spirit. We are called to bless, and the blessing of the Lord will flow out of your mouth. It'll bless others, but it'll bless you. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. He's, there he's talking about, don't have any, uh, for every idle word, uh, you're, you're going to be judged. So don't just be like, uh, you know, Mouthing off and running at the mouth. Know what you're saying. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. He said in Revelation 10, 11, you must prophesy again or you must prophesy further. So you want, your, you want to see some different scenery? Then change what you're saying. Well, how do you change what you're saying? Well, the best way to change what you're saying is to change what you're believing. How do you find out what you're believing? Well, check on what you're saying. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. speaks. So it seems like the easiest way or maybe the best way or the highest way to have your confession be what you actually want it to be is to fill your heart with what you want to come out of your mouth. So if you read an article about the disease that they say that you have, you should probably read two or three or five times as many scriptures with your heart open to receive what the scripture says, believing you shall receive. So that's fine. Sometimes it helps your faith to actually know what this thing is called, and then every name must bow to the name of Jesus, must come under the name of Jesus, so then you speak to that thing. You prophesy to that growth. Dry up from the roots. Leave this body in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the healer. Jesus healed every sickness and every disease among the people. I think it's Matthew 15, 30. Uh, you know, I learned about this. I started to learn about healing, divine healing, about um, in the year, well, it would be about when I was filled with the Spirit, actually, 1997. And just about three weeks ago, I was reading in Matthew, and something caught my attention. 
It said Jesus healed all, they brought all these lame, crippled, maimed to him. And it said he healed them all so that the lame, the crippled, and the maimed were restored. So it actually said it twice, like in the period of two verses. I don't know why, but I never noticed the word maimed in that scripture until three weeks ago, and I was reading it, and I thought, huh, it just my, it, drew, it caught my attention. And so I looked up, well, crippled, there's crippled, but then there's maimed. Well, I was in the military, so, you know, we had so many people, like, they're maimed, you know. So my main definition of maimed, understanding of maimed was like a, they lost an arm, a leg, a digit, or something like that. And uh, pretty tragic. And so, uh, so I, I looked it up. It said, like, halt. I'm like, that doesn't help me. <laughs> I walked down the street the other day, saw this guy. He was halt. Nobody ever says that. What are they talking about? <laughs> I don't know what that means. So they said, crippled, and they said uh, uh, severe, severely injured. They said mutilated. I thought, hmm. So I looked it up in uh, the big Greek dictionary, and it really didn't help that much. And so uh, then I looked it up in uh, Merriam-Webster online. Don't ever look stuff up in Wikipedia. It's like so... Uh, unscriptural, unbiblical, world system ruled, dominated, don't donate to those people. It says donate, don't do any of that. That is world system lies of, from the pit of hell. I mean, you can look it up to figure out what the world thinks it is, but don't rely on that. You know, you rely on the word. They're manipulating all kinds of stuff nowadays. You got to just stick with the word. And so, um, anyhow, sometimes the best way to find out what something is is to let the Bible define it. So I ran my reference, and I looked up every reference I could find of maimed. And you know, the one that really struck me the most is where Jesus said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your arm offends you, cut it off. And he went on to say, it's better you to enter into the next life maimed than to go to hell, basically. So I said, oh. He said, cut it off. That means maimed, so same thing. So anyhow, he healed all that were maimed. So if you need a scripture for like a physical injury with a gun or a knife or a, a bomb or a grenade or anything like that, well, I suppose that's a pretty good scripture right there. Because it said he healed the maimed so that the maimed were healed. Isn't that funny? He said to me, you must prophesy again, or you must prophesy further. Every spirit-filled believer should prophesy. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What time is it? 10.58. We got to kind of finish. Hallelujah. I have pages and pages here. Let's go to Ezekiel 37. This will only take us another two hours. <laughs> hey, we're in the realm of the spirit. We're not time conscious. you know. Man, 
before I was a pastor, and the pastor would say that sometimes you get nervous. <laughs> well, if you're not ministering by the Spirit, you really, people's attention span is limited to the studies say like 20 minutes. Well, that's head to head, and I don't know, flesh to flesh, but head to head, it's reason ministry. You get spirit to spirit ministry. You ever, you ever see like you can, you can be receiving from the Lord and you think, where in the world did time go? So the answer is not really to cut your message short. The answer is to get in the presence of God and get the anointing smeared all over you so it spills off on other people so the word can be received. It's by the anointing. In fact, faith only comes by the rhema of God. It's the word of God. So then, Romans 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. When, when God makes the word real to you, there is faith present. When there's faith present, there ought to be speaking. When there's faith present and there's speaking, there's going to be changes in the scenery. Whew, I did that all in one breath. That was a lot. <laughs> mm. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out into the spirit of the Lord. In the spirit of the Lord, rather. And set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. Remember the valley of the dry bones. And he said to me, and he's saying to you, and I say to you, son of man, you know that means daughter too? We are all sons of God. All right, so I don't have to say son and daughter, so you know, male and female, he created them. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, <laughs> this is the best answer. <laughs> oh, Lord, you know. Stop having to be the expert. Paul said, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to really paraphrase. Has some interactions among people. He says, so I have determined among people to know nothing. <laughs> Except one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know how many more answers to prayer you'd get if that's what you determined? That you don't already know the answer that God's going to give? Did you say, I don't know. You know. I just know Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's ask the Lord for anything else we want to know. Because we don't know anything as we ought to know it. But the Spirit, He knows everything. In fact, He searches all things, even the deep things in your heart. You say, I don't even know what's in my heart. Well, He does. You say, how'd that get there? I don't know how I got there in my heart. How'd that get there? I don't know how I got there. Well, he can help you with that. Let 
Brother Hagen one time, very interesting story. He, um, he looked at the results he was having in ministry, and he said, you know, that scripture that says he confirms the word with signs following. He kind of battled with the Lord about that. He said, Lord, that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm preaching the word. Signs should be following. And the Lord said, read the scripture again. And whenever we're preaching the word, the Lord confirming the word with signs following. He said, yes, Lord, that's what I'm trying to tell you. The Lord said, read that scripture again. He said, they, whenever we're preaching the word, the Lord confirming the word with signs following. He said, Lord, that's what I'm, oh. He said, I checked up. The Lord said, check up on your preaching. So he said, I checked up on my preaching and me, a faith and healing preacher. He said, I found out I was only preaching 60% word. He said, the Lord said, you're preaching 5% doubt and, uh, doubt and unbelief and 30% tradition. He said, well, I cut out the doubt and unbelief right away. I just cut that out. I'm not teaching, preaching any doubt. He said, but the tradition took me a little longer. He had a Baptist tradition and Pentecostal tradition, he said. So he was praying to the Lord about that. He said, when he was praying, he said, well, he, he related to two things. He says, kind of like if you saw an old leather boot that was left out in the wood for years, in the woods for years, and you found it, came across it, what it would look like. He said, it'd be akin to that, but really what he saw he said it was like a black octopus with all these black tentacles. He saw this in the spirit when he's praying about this. And he said, Lord, what is that? The Lord said, that's your tradition. But he said, you know, I wasn't able to get to that right away. It took time before the Lord seeking the Lord. He said, once I got rid of that, he said, where we were getting one saved, we got... 10 saved. Or we're getting one healed, we got 10 healed. We got one filled with the Holy Ghost, we're getting 10 filled with the Holy Ghost. So sometimes there are things deep in your heart that you're not even aware are there. They've attached themselves to your life. You've got traditions, you believe uh, the traditions of men more than the Word of God. And those things will like totally, totally hamper the Lord working in your life. Again, he said to me, he said, hey, I stopped with, oh, Lord, you know, <laughs> right? So the Lord knows. Paul said, I don't, I don't have the reference written down, but, you know, Paul said um, about judging himself. He said, I judge myself, but my, my judgment is imperfect. God is my judge. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, one of the things it means is, you really don't even see yourself perfectly clear. So I always rely on the Lord. I love what David said in the Psalms. He said, oh, Lord, test me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Well, my spirit is not wicked, but maybe I'm doing something I don't even realize. Well, the Spirit of God will show that to you. He'll help you. Uh, but the th funny thing about the Lord is, if you don't ask him, he won't tell you. So, 
He said, O Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. So speak the word of the Lord over your dry bones. Speak the word of the Lord over your dry bones. I got, I got these, uh, I'm a, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I think most people here believe in divine healing, and uh, it's biblical. It's, 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 uh, there's so many uh, scriptures about it, it'd be really hard to not believe it if you um, open your heart to the spirit of the Lord. You know, you're not trying to prove somebody right or wrong. You're just trying to receive what the Word says. If you, if you open your heart like that to the Word, I mean, I can't see how you wouldn't see it. I know I really saw it with so much light when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Before that, I didn't see it in large measure. I mostly saw just the, just the miracles. Um, uh, anyhow, there's not only divine healing, there's divine health. That you can have strength supernatural strength affect your body. That you don't have to get wore out all the time, but you can go in the strength of God about your responsibilities, your duties, and, um, you know, prophesy to your physical dry bones. Sometimes ladies in particular, they say like uh, certain things attack their bones or whatever. Well, if I'm a lady, then I'm going to be speaking to my bones. I call my bones strong. I call my bones uh, strong. I call my bones strong. Not brittle, strong. I can jump, I can dance, I can run. I have the strength of the Lord. I tell the Melody the last few weeks, I said, I just have a new appreciation for Jesus. Oh, I might get in trouble for saying this. Uh, not with you, but the other women here. I, I just said, like, I just realized Jesus took on, like, even female hormones. <laughs> you know, and experiences that I've never had experience with. I mean, that man is a saint. <laughs> He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities, the male ones and the female ones. <laughs> I hope everybody still loves me. I just thought about it. I was like, wow. Yeah, he even experienced the, what men feel like when they're trying to encourage the women. And no matter what they say... <laughs> It don't work. So, let's pray. What did you say? What have you been saying? Prophesy again. How do you prophesy? Well, you, you, you meditate in the word, yield your spirit to the Lord, and you speak what he gives you. You know, he may give you just a scripture. 
And you may find he says, just say that scripture over yourself. Just say that scripture. Prophesy again. I mean, in Ezekiel, if you want to take the time this week to read that, that's actually amazing. I mean, all these body parts, I don't even hardly remember from health class. Like the sinews and the tendons and all of a sudden, he saw all them like all begin to be formed because why? He spoke the word of the Lord to these dry bones. So speak the word of the Lord in your life, whatever your dry bones are. You, you be one that speaks of the goodness and the mercy of God. So we got that song that we sang earlier, you know. So I wanted to sing that song because I think that's such a great confession. The goodness and the mercy of the Lord follow me all the days of my life. Your confession is more than what you want to be true. Your confession is what you believe is true. And confession ought to spring out of that deep-rooted belief in your heart that you believe Jesus is Lord, that you believe God is a good God, that you believe his goodness and his mercy follow you. So you say it until you believe it. And say it because you believe it. The goodness and the mercy of the Lord follow me. His goodness and his mercy follow me. The goodness and the mercy of the Lord follow me. The goodness and the mercy of the Lord are always following me all the days of my life. I don't go one day without the goodness in them. It says all the days of your life. Every day of your life, you could say. Surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. I'll dwell in his house forever. Surely the goodness and the mercy of God are following you all the days of your life. All the days of your life, the goodness of God, the mercy of God. Something good. God's got something good planned for you today. He's got something good planned for you tomorrow. He's got something good planned for you this week. He's got something good planned for you this month, this year. This is going to be your best year yet. This is a year of supernatural increase. Get that in your heart and get it on your lips. He's increasing you now. Stand up with me, please. Surely the goodness of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord will follow you all the days of your life. The Lord is your shepherd. You have everything you need. Father, we, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a good shepherd, that your goodness and your mercy follow us all the days of our life, and we will live in your house forever. That means we live in your protection, we live in your direction, we live in your provision, we live in your light, we live in your um, atmosphere, your warmth, we live in your ability. Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, that your goodness and your mercy follow us all the days of our life that we live in your goodness and we live in your mercy. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. If everybody wouldn't mind just bowing your head, closing your eyes.
or leave them bowed closed if you bowed your head and closed your eyes for prayer. But um, I want to speak to you for a minute if you're here in the room, if you're watching online. There is an enemy in the world and he has horrible plans for your life. He wants to destroy you. But he is a major, major deceiver. So he kind of goes around making his plans look appealing, making his plans look fun and good, and, oh, it's just for this moment, it'll be okay, and, you know, you won't regret it later. Well, that's a lie. Jesus said he came, the enemy came, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy is not your friend. The enemy is not going to make life wonderful for you. The enemy is going to deceive you, going to torment you, going to make you feel like it's all your fault. He is evil, and he's a liar. But God is a good God. And Jesus said that Jesus himself came into the world that we may have life and have that life overflowing in abundance, more than enough. That you, you ought to have trouble going to sleep at night because you're so thrilled with how good God is and what he's done and what plans he has for you. I want to give you an opportunity here right now this morning to make the greatest declaration and the greatest confession any human could ever make. And that is the lordship of Jesus. That you're saying... I don't want to live for myself anymore. I'm throwing the weight of my entire life, everything I am, everything I have, my hopes, my dreams, my here, my now, my future, I am giving it all to Jesus. I'm turning the weight of my whole life over to Jesus. I'm trusting him with everything I am and everything I have. I'm tired of doing it my own way. Tired of feeling guilty all the time. I'm tired of having shame in my life. Jesus came to get rid of shame. Destroy shame. Shame does not belong on any person. The only way to get rid of that shame is to let Jesus take it from you. He took it to the cross, but you make it real in your own life by believing that and receiving what he did. Because why? The second you receive Jesus as Lord, everything that he has already done, everything he has already defeated becomes yours. His victory becomes your victory. His life becomes your life. He takes your shame. He takes your sin. He takes your old nasty nature. Nails it to the cross. You're forever done with it. And he remakes you. In just a couple of seconds here, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you will pray that prayer with me from your heart, God will hear your voice, your confession, your declaration, and he will honor that. And he will come and he will make you a new creature. You'll be joined to Christ. His own spirit will come and live on the inside of you. You'll be forever different and changed.
you'll be a part of God's family. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if, you're, if you'd like to do that, I want you to slip up your hand right now. Nobody else looking around. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Whether you're online, in person, you want to turn your life to the Lord. What you're saying by raising your hand is you're saying, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and I receive him as my Lord, as my Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Put your hands down. I want to pray and I want believers. This is the greatest confession anyone could ever make. That ought to be the constant confession of every believer. It's your primary confession. It's your primary declaration. We're going to make this confession with those online in the room who are also making it for the first time. We're going to make that confession together once again. Say this. Say, God, I believe that you are. And that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. I turn my heart toward you right now. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. And that he died on the cross to take away my sins. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord. My Savior. I'm going to live for you. I turn my whole life over to you. Thank you for saving me, forgiving me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.